All right. Let's get this out of the way first. The thoughts, views, and opinions expressed on Tailboard Talks Firefighter Podcast are solely those of the speakers, guests, and host, and do not in any way represent the thoughts or views or opinions of any other employer, partnership, or sponsor. The material and information in this podcast is for general information purposes only and should be used at the listener's discretion. Here comes the intro. Skip forward 30 seconds if you want to get right to the episode. This is the Tailboard Talk Podcast, the best health, wellness, and lifestyle resource for the fire service. We're using stories, lessons, and tips from the front lines to give a realistic view of what the job can do to us and how we can make it out alive. I'm Chris Morella, a firefighter since 03, medic since 05, full-time since 08, and promoted to lieutenant in 20. I'm also a personal trainer and strength coach, and I'm here to give you the best information and host the best discussions to make us capable and durable both on the job and away from it. So grab a heater, steal some fancy creamer from First Shift, and let's go chat. What's up, everyone? Chris here from Four Shift Fitness and Tailboard Talks Firefighter Podcast. Welcome back to another week. All right, I got a lot of look, lot to look at today. That camera is the, the Osmo, the GoPro one. That camera is a different one I'm trying. problem with that one is it's got a time recording limit, like 20, 30 minutes, something like that. So we got to squeeze it in. Anyways, I'm going to be looking back and forth, so I'm sorry if I do that. I also got my screen here and my book here. I'm social within social. It's not a big deal. I'm talking to myself anyways. Let's get into it. Thank you, first of all. Last week's episode with Joe Galley was, uh, I mean, I think it was a great one. We talk about mentors, mentorship, relationships, stuff like that. Got a lot of, um, I got people reaching out because the one of the foundations for that talk was that one of my mentors from 15 years ago passed away unexpectedly. So it got me thinking. We talked to Joe about it. If you didn't listen to that one, go back and check it out. Um, it was great. It was a great conversation. Thank you for reaching out and giving me your condolences. If you did so, appreciate it. Went to the wake, um, and it was everything I expected it to be in every good way, in every good way. So I'm going to get into that. But today we're talking about relationships because I had three things happen in the past week. Tim's wake. Um, then the next day, my grandma's funeral and wake and, or wake and funeral and, and service all in one. And then the next day, I think I joined threads, uh, the new social media platform, which seems to pale in comparison to those two things, but it factors in nicely to all the commonalities of relationship stuff, relationship stuff that was becoming evident through my week, pretty atypical week, right? Two funerals and a social media platform launches. So, um, two weeks ago, is when I got, or a week and a half ago, whenever, is when I got the phone call about my grandma. My mom called, um, and she said, you know, more or less, it finally happened. Our grandma had been sick for a couple of years now, uh, increasing dementia, decreasing health. She'd been in a facility for a while, um, you know, and, and just a, a slow, but at the end, a pretty rapid decline. And I was fortunate enough to bring Sawyer out there once, and they had lunch together. Um, but after that, it was pretty far downhill. So, she called and said it happened. You know, we had a quick talk about it. I was outside working in the yard and I went and told Katie about it. And that's where the first kind of relationship thing popped up. So we're getting right into it today, right? She knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. The whole family knew it was coming. But it, when it happens, it's different, obviously, right? And so in that moment, we had stuff to do in the afternoon. I was in the middle of a project in the backyard. She said, that's okay. You can go figure it out, Right. You do what you got to do to figure this out in your brain. I'm here for you however you need me. If you want more projects to do, I got those. If you want to be left alone for the afternoon, I can take the kids. And that was like big, right? That's something that 
in the time of need. And of course, it it was one of those things that kind of doesn't culminate there, it kicks off there. You know, we have this relationship built, thankfully, a lot through her work and, and my ignorance, um, that no matter what we have going on, she's willing to take on more workload so I can figure out my stuff. And I'm willing to take on more work, workload to figure out her stuff. So that's number one, right? Relationships at home. Man, it's complicated. It's been a long time. We've been together forever. I think coming up is our 10-year wedding anniversary, uh, which means it's like our 40-year relationship anniversary. And it's taken a long time, man. It's taken a long time. And it's not all been perfect by a long shot, even up to including this morning (laughs) when I didn't go home from work. I went to come here and record, and she's got the kids, and it's raining outside, and she's got to figure out swim class stuff. It's not perfect, and it's stressful, and it can get frustrating. And communication lags and lacks and goes through dips and then highs and all this stuff. But, um, you know, recognizing the value of those relationships is usually during the crucial moments. But I tell you what, you don't get those crucial moments of support without the day in, day out understanding and work you do with each other to build that foundation. And that's going to come back a few times in today's episode. So I, I'm figuring that out, right? Grandma finally passed away. Um, figuring that out. I go on Facebook for my once a week check-in. And I saw the announcement for Tim. And I don't know if it was a compounding effect. I don't know if it was just because one of them, my grandma, was more expected and we had time to mentally prepare for it as opposed to Tim. But then I saw Tim passed and about half hour after I got the notification that my grandma died. And uh, that one hit me harder. It might hit me the same, but it might have been compounded, right? Flash forward now. It just happens to line up that Tim's wake is going to be on Thursday. Um, and grandma's funeral is going to be on Friday, Friday morning. We're going to do the wake in the morning for an hour, then the service and, and everything is going to end before noon. Um, the second part where my relationship thing popped up was going to Tim's wake. First of all, line out the door from the moment I got there till well after I left, um, out the door, Tim was involved in hockey. His kids played, he played pretty deep in the hockey world. Um, so there's a mix there of fire department people, regular people, and then people in hockey jerseys, which was, you know, it's one of those interesting, cool, awesome, fun things to see. But, uh, uh, let me check this real quick. Okay. Breaking my train of thought because there's a light flashing. Why wouldn't that happen? Um, line out the door and I haven't seen these guys and I left there 15 years ago, excuse me, left there 15 years ago, came back and saw them for St. Baldrick's once or twice. So. 12 to 15 years last time I saw these guys. Dude, I walked in to the room in the back of the funeral home. Um, I walked in, and it was immediately back to being on shift with those guys. I had my old nickname yelled across the room at me, which is inappropriate. I had We were trading stories back and forth. We talked a little bit about what's going on now, but who cares? We talked a lot about then because that was more fun, especially given the circumstances. Um, dude, is right back in it. I haven't talked to these guys in 12 to 15 years. Legitimately have not talked to them. We remember each other's names, which is, first of all, CTE brain miracle. Um, immediately recalling stories, giving updates on everybody. <clears throat> Excuse me. I got, what's going on? It's raining outside. I think I got the flemmies from that. A little bit of coffee. Sorry, turtles, no big deal. Those relationships, though, are the strange ones that you make a long time ago, and you can almost set it and forget it. Right. I can send those guys a text and say, hey, what's going on with so-and-so? Or, hey, I saw you at a fire the other day. And we'll have a quick conversation. It'll, you know, peter out and that's it. I'll talk to him five or six years later and that's no big deal. It's a level of easing in friendship and, and conversation and relationship that is pretty rare, right? But that's the crux of the fire service. Those are the relationships that are going to get us through. 
everybody, you know, falls back on high school, right? High school, you make all your relationships and you do all your accomplishments and stuff like that. Some people live in high school. We basically have a 20, 20 to 25 to 30 year high school experience in the fire service. We get to learn together, grow together, become different people together, enter and exit relationships together, uh, inside and outside of the fire service, right? We have all these learning opportunities, all these strange little universal things that go on in the fire service. Some are good, some are bad, but we get these relationships and these friendships that seem to be almost too natural. Maybe it's because we're all similar. Maybe it's because some of us are very different. Um, a lot of maybes today, but that was the second kind of relationship thing that really came up to me was stepping back into that, going back to that place I worked, stepping into that room with a bunch of guys I used to work with, and it was just right back in the full swing, okay? Third thing was at grandma's funeral. Next day, um, you know, our family has many of the same issues that a lot of families do, right? We're spread out. That's the first thing. We're very spread out. Um, we don't talk to each other frequently. Um, things get lost in communication. People grow apart. All these things happen, right? But death brings everybody back together. Grandma brings everybody back together. Dolores did that. She brought everybody back on a week's notice back into one room. And it's very strange with the family stuff because unless there's something significantly screwed up going on, right? And that's not placing blame. That's just a general statement about whatever. Unless that's going on. It was strange because I haven't seen parts of my family for a long time, uh, over a year or two at least, maybe five or six years for some relatives that were there. But because you're all connected by this common person, because there's a sense of finality to it and a sense of responsibility, and everybody's got a piece of ownership of it, more or less. It's a weird thing to say about a person, but everybody's got a piece of the pie, right, from that person. There's a certain level of calm there, and it was just the family. Um, she was 93, not a lot of friends showing up. Um, so we we did the wake. It was just us. I think one extra person showed up. We all went to the uh, church. We did the service. It was just us. Went to the funeral or the burial ground. It was just us, the cemetery. That's what they call it, right? Um, and so it was like our own little posse of friends. And we all had this common thing, this, this uh, common thread throughout us, right? So although we've had our issues in the past and we've had fights and people not talking to us, blah, 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 um, we all came together. There's a weird sense of calm and like belonging and, and um, okayness about the whole thing. Very sad, right? Plenty of tears. Um, but it was a strange relationship moment, right? Everybody was coming back together over this finality thing. It was awesome. It was awesome. So those things back to back, I mean, talk about emotional. Um, lucky me, got to go from the ambulance, those two things, back on the ambulance. Okay, so you may have noticed that I started edit video a little bit. I started going on a kind of a diatribe there. It's not that I don't want to talk about it. It's more that I have plans to talk about it. And these thoughts, they are not formed yet. They're not formed yet. I got plenty of other stuff to talk about today. So we're going to switch back to relationship stuff, okay? Um, Here's what I'll say. It was very nice. It was very nice that after going to Tim's wake and my grandma's funeral, I wasn't dreading going to work. I don't. I didn't look at it as like two stressful days. Now I got to go deal with these jerks, or here comes more stress coming my way. The calls add stress, right? There's a general fire department environment that adds stress, but the people at work don't cause me stress, which is from an officer standpoint an incredible asset, like the best. Okay. You don't even have to take stress away or reduce stress for me. Just don't add anything to it. Right. And we're winning big time. 
that was one of the other relationship moments I noticed was I was not more stressed out about going back to work compared to the stuff that was going on in my personal life. And in the past, I have been. In the past, it's been like I got the stressful thing going on and I got to go to work tomorrow. This is just bad on top of bad and I'm not happy on top of not happy. When is this stress going to give a break? Then you think like, well, I'll go through my shift and then the stress will be better, my day off shift, but you're right back in the personal stuff, right? Relationships are so powerful. The relationships we have in the fire service are so powerful that we can exist in this extremely stressful dynamic and atmosphere and, and environment and also be the greatest sense of calm for each other, if that makes sense. We can operate in these highly stressful things. We'd be um, involved in all this litigation with the city or fighting or whatever with the union and yet at the same time turn to each other and be the most comforting factors that we have. It's a pretty weird dichotomy, but it's pretty awesome. But that doesn't come just by showing up to work. That doesn't come just by being assigned to someone's crew or being detailed out for the day or joining a crew that you think looks like a good time. That comes with a lot of work and conversations and tough stuff, a lot of trust, a lot of failing, a lot of failing in front of each other, a lot of criticism, ownership. Dude, all the buzzwords, man, you know what I'm talking about. But that kind of gets me on to part three of this thing. I joined Threads. Okay, I joined Threads. It was something to do. I was interested in it. I never was a part of Twitter. Um, this seemed, this thing seemed kind of cool. So I jumped on Threads, right? Because everything turns into everything, okay? Facebook used to be whatever it started as. I can't remember. Status updates or something. Then Instagram came. Facebook turned into, hey, if you want to read three paragraphs about how somebody doesn't put a shopping cart back, go to Facebook. If you want to look at a picture and read nothing, go to Instagram. And then Facebook turned into something weird. And then uh, Instagram turned into, hey, here's a kind of related picture, kind of provocative, something to catch your eye. And here's a long diatribe about crap you don't care about. So Threads thing seemed like the original versions of those two things that used to be fun. Let's get on that. So I got on that. Threads is a lot like Twitter. Obviously, you've heard the news. You've seen the things, all the measuring contests of such. It produces a little bit of literary, literary uh, urgency. You only have so many characters, right? You have a short message to give. And what I saw a lot of was people taking that literary urgency and instead of turning it into a conversation starter, a thread, hi, they turned it, they felt like they had to distill all their thoughts into a short amount of time. So they made a statement, a very bold attention grabbing statement. I get it. It's the way it goes. But a lot of do's, don'ts, yes, no rules. You're missing this. You need this. Don't do this. You're skipping that. Here's the thing you're not doing revolutionary things one sentence at a time right and uh it was strange man it was so strange because there's a lot of stuff in threads that if you said it in real life you'd be a psychopath if you said it in real life you'd be brushed aside as like what is that person talking about one of the first things i came across now here's the cool thing about threads is there's a hundred bazillion people on it but at this point if you have a celebrity or someone or an influencer or a company that you like and they post something you're going to be one of 50 people commenting on it, maybe, um, probably even less. And they're scouring that thing. So you can get the attention of some people you might not otherwise have the audience of. Um, little fun fact, not going to put it on my bio or anything, but Tank Sinatra liked and commented on one of my posts. Not a big deal because I commented to him first directly. Whatever. Anyways, one of the first things I came across was, um, I'm not going to say the name, was a fitness page. <laughs> that said something to the effect of you don't get to use a barbell 
until you prove that you can do an air squat. If you have a bad-looking air squat, you haven't earned the right to use a barbell. And I replied to them and said, the barbell's a tool. You don't earn it. It doesn't need to be a gate. It's, it's not a place to be earned or another barrier to be put up. It's a tool. Sometimes it's a good tool. Sometimes it's a bad tool. That becomes the coach's responsibility to use it appropriately. Um, but then I reposted it and said, the only thing I make my clients earn is enough money to pay me. And that's the truth, right? I'm not there to put barriers up. I'm there to put a guidance up. Maybe go this way. Let's not do that. Let's try something similar but different. But I'm not there to put barriers up for anybody, right? But if you were coaching in a facility and someone said, hey, I really want to try a back squat. And you looked at them and you said, until you show me a good air squat, you have not earned the right to use the barbell. I can only hope and pray and imagine that that person would be like, you're a jackass. I'm out of here. I'm paying you to help me do things, not to tell me what I can't do. Adios. I would hope that would happen. And there was a lot of that stuff going on. There's a lot of stuff that, I mean, much like social media, right? There's tons of stuff on there that you probably shouldn't say directly to a person or you wouldn't say directly to a person for fear of several repercussions. But that was a weird one because it was, it was forcing people to distill their thoughts and condense them into little things. There's a lot of stuff on how to talk to people, how to approach people, how to coach people. I think that's a lot of pages I follow, right? But a lot of distilled down ideas that gave pretty exacting and specific guidelines on how to communicate. And I got kind of annoyed with it after a while. Because a lot of the tips that they were proposing were highly specific, but they were telling you what not to do. Um, Some of them told you what to do, and some of the suggestions were terrible, in my opinion. But... A lot of it told you what not to do. Now, this is one of the lessons we learned as coaches was, and it's going to sound funny, don't tell people not, what not to do. Tell them what to do. So you're getting this lesson t- to tell you not to tell you people what not to do. Anyways, don't tell, pe- don't tell somebody, keep your elbows back, or uh, don't let your chest drop, don't let your knees cave, don't let your eyes look down. I'm talking about back squat more or less. Instead, tell them what to do. Keep your chest up. Push your knees to the outside if that's appropriate cue. Uh, keep your eyes neutral. Don't let your forehead. Tell them what to do, not what not to. Whatever, dude. You get it. But here we are talking about communication. We're telling people what not to do. And so I wouldn't have posted something I did about what to do or some ideas about that, right? And what I put was, don't worry. I pulled it up. Don't be so concerned about saying the wrong thing. Be more of saying it the right way. And the purpose of that was to point out that what you say in the moment matters very little. It matters very little. Very little of what we consider to be like attention-grabbing, amazing philosophizer quotes on here. If you say them out loud, they'll get lost in the conversation, right? They're not going to be the lightning bolt of revelation you think if you're actually talking to someone. They don't have as much impact as they do of reading it with a cool graphic behind it, okay? But the relationship you have with that person before you say anything and the follow-up after you say that thing are what are really going to make the difference, okay? We all learn the parts of communication and whatever school you went to of like the message and the sender and the medium and the receiver and the interference and all that stuff, right? That's the stuff that actually matters, not your one-liner and not your weird plea to someone and not your pointing out their error, It's have you built a relationship in the first place that when you say this thing, it grows into a bigger conversation. That's the point of it. It's an opening line. And it could be anything, right? Some of the most intimate, scary, serious conversations I've had, I don't know how they opened. I don't know how we got into that deep water. I don't think we were talking about 
that thing in specific. And I don't think that thing was addressed in the conversation. I think it led to it. That was never like a talking point of it. But whoever I was having those conversations with, we had the relationship in place, the prerequisites there, the environment was appropriate, the context was fine. We had the trust in each other that we were going to enter this conversation at some point, obviously, and then we're going to make it through the other end. Okay, that's the stuff that matters. Your relationships before you enter the conversation matter. Your relationships that you have will get you out of that conversation, maybe not even with a resolution, but with a continuation. And so it kind of brings up a problem there, right? What happens if you see someone who needs to have a to have a conversation? You see someone dealing with something or struggling with something or in need of something and you have an idea what conversation that would be good for them, but you're not the person to have it. You don't have the relationship with them. Sitting down and approaching it would probably have them shut down or reject you or clam up. And you can you that shouldn't be a surprise. That shouldn't be a surprise because you know who you can have serious and deep conversations with and not. My suggestion would be don't have that conversation with that person, but find the people who can. Maybe they've noticed it and they're waiting for the right time to have the conversation and they're going to say, thanks for noticing, we're working on it. Maybe they haven't noticed it and maybe you got a good eye for this stuff. But they're the better people to have that conversation. When I was... We did a panel thing at the Illinois Firefighter Peer Support Symposium and someone raised their hand and said, okay, I'm going to this weekend. I'm learning all kinds of stuff. There's a bunch of old guys I work with that look down on mental health, don't believe in it, um, you know, but I can see that they're struggling. How do I, as a brand new person within their first year, approach those people and try to convince them that this is important? And people raise their hand. They're like, well, what you can do is take back materials. What you can do is refer them to this website. What you can do is, um, you know, talk to them with blah, blah, blah. And I raised my hand and I said, this might not be super popular, but you should not have that conversation. I said, your job, and I'm trying to remember as I tell it now, this kind of came to mind. I said, your job is not to have those conversations as a new person because you have not been through whatever made that person feel that way if it's job related. And that's just the way it is, right? You can't have possibly had those experiences this person's had over the past 20 years while you haven't been aware of anything or in high school or whatever. Totally different worlds lived. Not a bad thing, just the way things are. I said, so your job is to find someone that you think can have that conversation and give it to them and be okay with whatever they decide to do with it. And then your job is now to make sure that you create the environment that as you get older in your career, people feel okay talking about it more and we don't produce that result again with someone else of a closed off person who doesn't believe in mental health or whatever it is and that you're also afraid to approach. It's not about knowing your role per se. It's about understanding that sometimes you're not the best person for the job and having the humility and the understanding that as long as the job gets done and the conversation's had and a result is found, that's what's important, which is the opposite of what social media is. On social media, you want to be the person that gets the recognition, is the spark, and gets all the credit for it, right? When we're talking about relationships, we're talking about helping people, whether it's coaching, mental health, mentoring, anything like that, you have to look, step back a little bit and see that you are one piece of the puzzle. You're one piece of the pie. And like Joe Galley and I talked about, him and I and another lieutenant were put in charge of mentoring this kid through probation, and it was not going well. 
So we had to step back and say, we took it this far. We're not the right people to take it further. We've given him some stuff. We can provide some information about him and to him, but we're just we're just going to be one little piece and stop along the way for this kid. He's got to go somewhere else and figure it out. And he did. But if we had hold, held tight to that thing of like, no, they put me in charge to fix it. I'm going to fix it. And even though I'm the wrong person to be having this conversation and mentoring this kid, I was, I'm the mentor. I'm going to do it. It's likely that he fails and we look like jerks in the process. I think that's long enough for today. I can't remember if I touched all my topics or not. I think so. I don't know. Here's what I'll tell you. Um, we're, we're, we're becoming and producing, all of us, myself included, people who expect communication to look the same in real life as it does on social media, where you can post and ghost or write a long thing and not check back on it or expect a rebuttal or expect our lightning bolt of a kick-ass thing that we put up with a cool graphic to be world-changing and people are going to open their eyes and see it. It's different in real life, right? Um, And the more conversations we can have and relationships we build, the less bad that'll feel for people when we confront them or have actual conversations with them about conflicting ideas. I had a lot more thoughts in my head on the way over here. I make the mistake of not writing them down. They're profound and amazing. Um, But I just, I'm happy you guys showed up. Thank you for showing up. Thanks for all the things you do for the show. Oh, that's what I do. I posted a a 90 minutes. Hey, if you have 90 minutes to decompress after two stressful days. Hey, that was after my grandma's funeral. Before I went back to shift, what do you do? I got some good answers to that. I'm going to share them again, and I'll talk about those next week um, because we're already at 28 minutes. I'm going to cut some out. We're at 25 minutes. Thank you, guys. If you like the show, if you like what's going on, if any of this was interesting to you, um, share it with someone. Um, send me a message. If you really feel emboldened and supportive, you can go on the show page or my website and hit the buy me a coffee button. It's going to go towards getting a camera similar to this one without a time recording limit. So I don't have to get up every 18 minutes and reset it. Um, I'm going to put that on there. I think there's also a wish list thing on buy me a coffee. I'm going to find a camera that will do that. So you can donate directly towards that in case you don't like to fuel my coffee. I'm not going to call it addiction preference. Okay. Thank you guys again. Um, that's it. Find me on social media. Find me on threads. I post a lot of goofy stuff on there about my uh, whatever. Um, And thank you. We'll talk to you guys soon. Uh, It's all keep working towards being more capable and durable, both on shift and away from it, and be a force shifter.